Thanks for tuning into Behind the Scene, a conversation dedicated to uncovering our biases and how to navigate them in a constructive way. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a bonus episode of Behind the Scene. Uh, we aren't quite yet in season two, but your uh, episode, uh, we are here today without co-host Brandon Polk. He is actually rehearsing tonight for an event that we we're putting on tomorrow. Uh, so his voice will be missed, but uh, he has left some instructions and some notes for me to uh, contribute to the podcast episode. Uh, meanwhile, we have a couple of guests here today uh, who are going to speak pretty authoritatively on the topic of uh, of the Oscars and black representation in pop culture. Uh, one of the reasons that we wanted to have this episode was because we think this uh, conversation is important for kind of understanding uh, where we are as a culture and society. And I think that uh, pop culture and, and media is kind of a good gauge at, and it reflects back to us uh, our status and kind of where we are in the world with that. Um, and then, of course, there's some tugging and pulling and, and some conflict that occurs, especially around the Oscars um, uh, and even uh, before the Oscars, when, when we were talking about Kevin Hart as a host. And so uh, even going back a couple years ago, we had campaign around Oscars so white. And uh, this year proved to be really interesting uh, when it came to uh, just the, the movies that were nominated and then uh, some of the things that weren't, some of the movies that weren't and some of the movies that were absent. So uh, we're joined here today with uh, Obi Okolo, creative director from Washington, D.C., uh, or, or based in Washington, D.C., uh, and Mojo Adam, a filmmaker, producer from San Francisco. And so I'll let them uh, give them their brief intro, and then we'll, we'll start a conversation, starting with you, Obi. Hey, yeah, uh, my name is Obi. Um, I am a uh, freelance creative director in D.C. <laughs> Been in D.C. for about five years now. I think it'll be six in June. Um, grew up uh, formative years in Lagos, Nigeria, and then post-formative years in San Antonio, Texas, um, and moved to DC after that. And I don't, I don't know what gives me the authority to speak on these things, uh, Mark. Um, I am, in fact, black, um, and uh, I've been a conscious consumer of art and culture, uh, pretty much for always. Um, not in, in large part because of my work, obviously, but. I think when we when we first moved here from um, Nigeria, one of the ways that I sort of found my place in this new country that I called home was um, trying to connect to the the art and the culture of the place. Um, obviously, West Africa and South Texas are very different places. Um, so I, I think I've always had a pretty wide eye and sensitive uh, palette for. Uh, film for design for um, music and, and all things that sort of create what we now understand to be popular culture in general. So that's those are my credentials. Okay, well that's great because uh, that sounds more authoritative than my own. Because basically, the way I predict Oscar winners is the movie that I liked the least is probably going to be the <laughs> one that's chosen for best picture. And so. Uh, so I think you're, you're way ahead of me there. That seems to be uh, how the Academy does it too. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I'm meant for that. Um, <laughs> Mojo, what's, what's your background? 
Yeah, so I'm born and raised in Los Angeles, um, where um, I've only been in San Francisco actually about a year and a half, but I do consider it home. Um, so I grew up in LA, um, making plays and movies as a kid, and took um, and went to film school um, <clears throat> for it. Um, and basically, my journey, what I'm doing now, is I run um, a production company um, called Rainbow Creative, where we do strategy and storytelling for mission-driven brands. So I moved to San Francisco um, to work on video where people are like, that's weird. Why aren't you in LA anymore? Um, but the reason why I did it was um, because there's all these brands out here um, that need amazing video made. And I found an amazing community with the Bay Area um, filmmaking community. Um, so I get to work with them. And also, naturally, I travel to LA quite a bit um, to work on projects as well. Um, so yeah, so um, I am black as well so i guess i have some things to say um when it comes to that regard um but i do come from a background of film and entertainment and that's what i love okay wonderful well thanks for that um i guess we'll just jump right into it then and um and talk about oscar reaction uh one of the big biggest surprises i think from last night was uh green book uh winning for best picture um at the i honestly i didn't even see the film because i I didn't think that it was going to uh, to be up there in terms of uh, of a real contender for for especially best picture. There were a couple other movies that I saw that we can touch on, but uh, for Green Book specifically, what were y'all's y'all's thoughts on that as a winner? I was shocked for best picture for that one. <laughs> I was expecting Roma or like something else for that, like. I knew that, you know, um, Rahashala Ali would get it for, like, Best Supporting Actor and everything. And I saw the film, and I really enjoyed it, but I didn't realize it was, like, everybody was rooting for for Best Picture. Mm. Um, but that was definitely a surprise um, to me. I was glad it won because it was, it was a great film. Mm. Um, but that one was definitely a surprise to me. Yeah, I I, uh, I I didn't see it. Full disclosure, um, and I've, I've been told to make sure I, I say that as I then utter the next things out of my mouth. But I was very disappointed that it won, um, and I was shocked that it won. Hmm. I I low key wanted Black Panther to win, but I also knew that it wouldn't. Hmm. Um, I wanted to believe that um, Black Klansman could get it. And I, I think there was definitely a better chance of that happening. But I think in my heart of hearts, I knew that it was either going to be uh, the favorite, which was the, the favorite in my in my brain, or Roma, yeah. which was going to be the long shot, surprising, like heartfelt, you know, victory. Um, mm -hmm. Green Book was not even remotely on my radar. And but after it happened, and I sort of sat with it for a minute. It it started to make sense in my brain why it might have played out that way. The reason I didn't see it, mind you, is because, like, just like you, Mojo, I hadn't, I didn't think that it was worth watching. Just upon watching the previews, I was just yeah. like, eh, "This is, this is a thing. Whatever. <laughs> it looks like a feel-good movie. Let's all feel good." Um, but then, at the point when I, when it was nominated, I was like, "Oh, I should probably see that." But that was around the time when some like hard truths about the movie started coming out. Um, oh yeah, I heard about and, that. And <laughs> you know, all the things that that went down in the making of the film. Um, and you know for those who don't know um there have just been a number of things sort of that have come out about how the the story has been told um how it necessarily is not necessarily being told accurately from the standpoint of um dr shirley and his family uh his family has come out to say like there are glaring factual errors in this uh supposedly historically accurate uh telling of of these two 
people's stories. Um, and then you start, you, you start to sort of feel the, the dirt of a um, powerfully black narrative being told from the lens of a white man who doesn't seem to want to handle it with the sensitivity that is required to do that. And it sort of just soured mm-hmm. it for me in my mouth. And I was like, yeah, I have no desire to watch the movie anymore. So yeah, cool. <laughs> That's interesting because in seeing the previews, I, I honestly, I thought it was a story about the, the black character. Um, and so I was surprised when he won for, um, for supporting actor. I was like, wait a second. I thought he was the main dude. And, and it, I know <laughs> that was so shocking that he was supporting. I'm like, He's actually the main guy. That's like he's. And if guy. you like, if you look at their speech last night, well, for one, they didn't thank Don Shirley or his family at all in the speech. That's crazy. Which blows my freaking mind. Um, and then yeah. you know they kept saying this doesn't happen without Vigo. This starts with Vigo, which is so. I mean, yeah, Vigo Mortensen. No. Like, like I, I'm, that's not to take anything away from the guy. He is. He's freaking legendary. Um, you know, Lord of the Rings is my jam. Um, so he'll forever have my heart, but like it, it, it just, it was, it was gross. It felt, it felt gross. Mm. Um, if you, if you look at, uh, the, and this is sort of when you start to unpack this, this, the narrative, if you look at even the sort of iconic movie poster of, of the film, it's got Vigo and Mahershala in the car and Vigo's in the front seat, Mahershala's in the back seat. And, what should be a position of power and authority, sort of like the back seat, as Nigerians call it, the owner's corner. Like when you have a driver, the owner sits in that back corner. Like that back seat should be a, a position of power. But for some reason, the way that it's it's shot and the angle puts Vigo in the position of power and makes it feel like Mahershala somehow in the background. And it, it sort of plays the, the narrative, again, full disclosure for audience, haven't seen it. But what I know about the narrative and the major plot points of it sort of plays to this notion of, uh, or like trope of the magical Negro, right? Like Jiminy Cricket was a similar char- character in, in days of old Disney, yeah. right? Of just like, here's this magical black character that makes everything better and teaches the white person how to be a human being. But really they only exist mm. to serve the narrative of the white character in the movie. Mm. When the whole crux of the movie is about the black experience in the American South, not right. to mention that, it's called Green Book, but apparently they mentioned the actual Green Book maybe once in the movie. <laughs> I know. And that was the most interesting thing for me watching the movie because, like, when I found out what the Green Book was and everything, I thought it was about this. It was going to be more about it, but it ended up not being. Like, they showed the Green Book once and they showed, you know, the main, like, the main character, like, staying in one hotel. But it was supposed to be about that whole experience of him being in the South. And I, and I see why they still called it that film. I mean, they still called it the name of the movie um, because it was about, you know, how he went into the South um, instead of like doing a European tour and everything, but it didn't really show the whole green book experience throughout the film, um, which was interesting. I mean, I still think the film was good um, and I did enjoy the performances and everything um, of it, but I was, quite shocked that it won best picture even nominated for best picture um but it did and yeah and but what was interesting like actually a friend brought up today on how like green book won and like all the producers were white yeah 
And what's interesting <laughs> is that it's kind of being derided by both sides. If you talk about the political <clears throat> spectrum, I've seen people deriding it on the left for the things that we've already spoken about here. And then the right is also deriding it because they feel like, you know, like racial justice uh, narratives have been shoved down our throats and a little force fed with it there. Uh, and so it, I guess it is interesting that they selected a movie that a lot of critics aren't saying was even really that fantastic of a movie. Uh, no, it was a good movie, but it wasn't like Black Panther. Yeah, we'll see. Or, here's, or and here's why when I sat with it for a second, it kind of made sense. It lets it. And I don't want to make the Academy sound like this maniacal bunch of people sitting in a corner, like, you know, <laughs> concocting how they're going to get the most bang for their buck. But it, it is a bang for your buck movie. Like if you take it at face value yeah. and say, oh, Green Book won, it lets them, you know, award the usual suspects, which is, you know, the old white mm-hmm. dudes while saying, but wait, look, we really care about these black stories. And there's just no, there's no substance behind that. There's no, there's no there there. And, you know, it's funny is, um, you know, this is a, this is a, a potentially a stretch of a connection, but in my, in my mind, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of asking myself, am I being unfair? Am I being unfair to say, that uh, old white guys can't tell um, compelling, true, true black stories or, or stories that are about a black experience of some, some sort. And as I ask myself that question, I think about the short, uh, the, the, the live action short that won the Oscar skins. I don't know if you guys saw Skin. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But that, I mean, when I saw the cat or the, the director producers of that kind of, I didn't realize there were four white people. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was a that was a story that didn't feel dirty. To, it didn't feel dirty that, or, or icky that they were telling that because it was very much told. It was a it was a story about a human experience. Don't get me wrong. So that that's not just a black experience. But it was a story about a human experience that centers on race that tells that tells it from the perspective of a white family though the major point of impact at the big or at the sort of climax of uh of the short is a back is a black experience right so it it it's mm. true and honors both experiences despite the person that's making it in a way that green book did not doesn't even seem like they were sensitive or tried that's that's what mm. <laughs> like no one's gonna get it wrong all yeah. the time but it doesn't or get it right all the time it just doesn't seem like they tried it at all mm. And the hero in the movie wasn't the black man. The hero in the movie ended up being right. Vigo's character. Exactly. Like, it was all about him not being a racist anymore at the end. And I'm like, okay. Cool, you did it. You know, You're a decent human cool. being. Cool, but do you... Right, but do we really think the Academy is going to, like, have Black Panther win an nah. Oscar? It's called Black Panther. Yeah. Like, no matter. It made a billion dollars, but who yeah. cares? You know, when you when literally that's actually what it takes nowadays to get a movie, you know, two best picture nomination and everything. And it got there and we're still like, eh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And I mean, Black Panther. And let's talk about let's talk about how sorry to shift in a second, but Spike Lee didn't win for best director. And there still has not been one black person win for best director in the history of the Academy. That's real. Yeah. We've had Jordan Peele. Ava wasn't even nominated, where she should have been nominated and won. You know, Spike, John Singleton, Steve McQueen. Spike got nominated, and they finally gave him his first Oscar. Oscar, First career, pretty much, like, for Best Adapted Screenplay. You know, he wasn't nominated for um, 
Oh my gosh. Why am I blinking? Um, he was. Well, was it, and I think you did yeah. pick up. He wasn't nominated for several different things, yeah. um, but still, we're in 2019, and there still has not been one black person yeah. to win Best Director when Spike was nominated. And I think year. that I think it's actually good to see this critique occurring about the substance of the arts, you know, the substance of the storytelling, the historical accuracies of, of the movies like Green Book, because. Uh, a lot of the fears I know coming out of the conservative right, when you talk about uh, advancing, you know, underrepresented communities in in film or media or politics or whatever the case is, uh, they tend to get concerned about, um, you know, just affirmative action or quotas. Um, and so here we have a movie that is based on, you know, some sort of racial narrative. For, and but here we are critiquing it and saying that it, it's the substance wasn't there, but for a movie like skin and, or a short film like skin, which again, full, full disclosure, I haven't seen that one either. So this might be the worst Oscar reaction episode of all time. <laughs> uh, but you know, that is, that is encouraging because I think that we should measure and engage pieces of art and movies and media based on how much truth they do tell. Yeah. About yeah. all kinds of experiences. Yeah. I think that's, that's uh, crucial. And, and Mojo, you just made me realize that the last, since 2017, so 17, we had Barry Jenkins. Didn't get right. it. And Barry Jenkins. Yeah. Didn't get it. 16, yeah. we had Jordan Peele. Or uh, 18, we had Jordan Peele. And then mm-hmm. we got we got Spike. We had Avery DuVernay. Didn't get it. Um, yeah. Spike, Spike was nominated this year for the first time. Avery DuVernay wasn't nominated. At all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Steve McQueen was nominated, didn't get it for Twelve Years a Slave. You would think they would give it for that, knowing the Academy. But, but did he get? He got. He got Best Picture though, or they got Best Picture. Yeah. Right, yeah. and yeah, and I mean, did, wait, Selma got. Selma was nominated for Best Picture, twenty fifteen. Right, and that's that was the historical yeah. moment with, with Oprah yeah. being the first African American woman to be nominated um, as producer. But yeah, I mean, like Selma. Oh my gosh. Like Ava should have gotten yeah. it. So, what were some other historic wins last night that occurred? A lot of uh, behind the scenes. Well, the costume designer for Black costume Panther. designer, which um, was yeah, first African American mm-hmm. woman, and then uh, uh, Regina King finally got hers. Regina King. Regina King finally, yeah, finally got hers. Uh, Spider Man, man, that one, that one was uh, that one felt good. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Spider Man felt good heard good things <laughs> again haven't seen it yet uh but plan to yeah. uh, <laughs> so one thing that i've wanted to talk about and maybe we'll hit on this later on is um th- using um in in characters that exist like spider-man who has existed uh, these mm-hmm. these characters usually superheroes or or some sort of hero uh and you talk about like making them uh who this character is typically white, making them Hispanic or black. Um, I think Spider-Man, the, the creators of this movie in particular, did a really smart job uh, of doing that in a way that was true to the, I guess, the story, the storyline. Um, mm-hmm. And or and that's what I've heard, at least, that it and that's the biggest concern when you talk about changing uh, the racial makeup of of these characters is that people are concerned about that. You're not going to be true to, to the history of, of this, this person. And, 
but I've heard glowing reviews about this uh, and the way it's been done from both sides. Like I haven't heard any concerns about that at all. Yeah, that argument has always very much confused me because they're, 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 <laughs> we're talking about, in most of the, the cases where this is applicable, we're talking about characters who in and of themselves are not inherently a race. So aside from Spider-Man um, and you know the original like Donald Glover for Spider-Man nonsense that started this whole conversation way back before Miles Morales is really even a thing, um, there was also the, the James Bond situation. Again, James Bond is 007, but 007 is an agent tag that can be associated to anyone. It could mm-hmm. be associated to Erica Singleton. It could be associated to um, Mark Bauer, like anyone who has the skills to be 007 in this fictional world where MI6 hires 007 could be 007. Mm-hmm. So it never made sense to me that people got so in arms about the idea that Idris Elba or any person of color or person of other could, like the idea that that person could be, that was, I, I didn't get why people were so upset about that. I mean, outside of the obvious, like if I'm, if I'm suspending the idea that it's all about race and racism, I don't get it. Because mm. 007 is not the person's name. James Bond is his name. And I'm pretty sure they're not going to call, you know, they're not going to call Idris Elba James. I'd hope they don't call Idris Elba James Bond mm. in the films. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's been the same thing I've, the same, I guess, perspective I've taken is exactly that. You know, 007 can be applied to anybody. Um, and, you know, if if you're talking about a Superman, though, is uh, like a Clark Kent, um, are you changing? Is Clark Kent going to to then be a, a black character, uh, or could they do it in a way that um, that is true to canon? And and um, and, but again, like you say, it, it kind of gets confusing there, and so uh, very sticky. Like people, people love their superheroes, and I mean, it, which it, is, it's a power dynamic, so it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is what made Black Panther so great uh, was the fact that we could have a film about a black superhero and a, a black you know an entirely black cast for the most part uh, and yeah and still people turn out for it uh, so um i think I'd, I'd like to kind of segue to a little bit about some of the uh more controversial discussions around like the oscars uh, because last night, and this is what Brandon commented on, uh, was the Academy president, Cheryl Boone Isaacs, is the 34th, 35th president uh, and the first only black woman to hold the role. Uh, and he says she's reformed the membership and voting structure during her tenure to the point that we're seeing the manifestation of those changes in favor of more diversity for blacks, Latinos, and a whole lot more, actually, he says. And so was this something that came out of uh, I think it was 2015 with the hashtag Oscars so white uh, where there was a whole lot of discussion around black representation, Hispanic representation and others in, in the Oscars. And are we making progress? Because last night, uh, Mojo, you mentioned this on our pre-call was just, there was, it seemed like a black person, everybody, but Kevin Hart, I feel like was represented <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> at the Oscars. <laughs> So true. <laughs> yeah, there was, everybody was there. So, are we? Mi- um, hmm. I mean, 
there's definitely been an effort like after the Oscar so white thing happened you know they they i mean the academy was definitely more <clears throat> aware of the conversations and that people are actually watching and paying attention um and this year it was just it was striking like at my oscar party we were like is every black actor in hollywood here because everybody's presenting this year <laughs> um which was just i mean i think it was awesome you know, like the fact that, you know, they just brought in, you know, a lot of different people um, of color. But it, it seemed it, this year was so much that it, that we noticed. Um, so I'm like, was it a little too heavy handed? Like usually when, when they bring people like for the Oscars, either somebody who's nominated or who's hot at the time. Um, but this year there was everybody. Um, and I don't think it was a bad thing, but it was just striking. No, I think it's interesting. I, I, it might, I mean, this is me. I don't feel like it really was everybody. Really? Uh, you know, there were, yeah, like a few people felt kind of random. Like <laughs> Kiki Lane felt, like Kiki Lane felt super random to right. me. Right, yeah. Um, and uh, Jason Momoa felt super random to me. Um, Trevor Noah felt kind of random, although he definitely still has the joke of the night. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but, just, oh, that's right. Pharrell was hella random. I don't know what he yeah. was doing. That. that was weird. <laughs> In his short suit combo. Love it. Yeah. It's fire, but I was very confused. Right. Um, I think, and I, I, I very seldom do I disagree with anything that Brandon Pope says. <laughs> um, but I think on this point, I might have to push back a little bit. I don't necessarily think it's the Academy. Um, I just think that because... Netflix, Amazon, and other small studios that, you know, can now throw a bunch of money behind making films mm. um, and are being taken seriously by, or ha- are being forced to take serious, be taken seriously by the Academy um, yeah. and by the the film community at large has basically just opened up the diversity full pool in film, mm. period. Yeah. Right? So, like, you can't ignore the presence of Roma, you can't ignore the presence of Beale Street, you can't ignore the presence of um, crazy rich Asians and films of the type anymore because they're here and people are watching them and they're catching them and if you ignore them then you're you're then being blatantly exclusive, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it almost forces the hand of an Oscar an, or a, an Academy that still is pretty so white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that was one of the, the criticisms of Oscar So White in the first place was like, yo, you know, yeah, it falls on the Academy on who, who they're going to award at the end of the day. Sure. But, you know, there still needs to be more representation in the film, period. Mm-hmm. Like the, the studios need to be like taking, driving the conversation and taking the reins. And now that we have new studios that can make a bajillion movies a year. Right. Um, they're doing that. Right. Mm hmm. Totally. And I'm sorry, Brandon's not here to to uh, expand on his point, but maybe we'll see him. It's a good time to disagree with Brandon. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I'm trying to come up with something to uh, to defend his honor, but I'm I'm sure he can post something on on social uh, that'll be clap back worthy. Um, Yeah. And I love to see that. Like, I love to see the the natural progression of that. And uh, because, again, coming out of the conservative right, that's always the concern is, well, we want there to be these to be substantive. And who knows if that's cover for, you know, actual concern. Uh, but you do, you want your, your media and which, and your art that you're creating uh, to move people. And we want them 
to be moved in the direction of truth. And if we're getting a, a whole bunch of different perspectives in there just because the opportunities are opening up, uh, I think that's that's wonderful. And I think that we're going to be better people for it. Um, but yeah. Mojo, I don't know if you have anything to add there. Kind of, to add there. Kind of just putting you on the spot there. <laughs> add something. Yeah, add something. Add something. So, Mojo, did you watch Bohemian Rhapsody? To... I did not. Man, I wish you had. Mark, did you watch really? it? No, and I was actually so. None of us watched it. That was a huge. No, movie. I did. I did watch okay. it. I watched it. Oh, yeah. Tell me your thoughts. And like Rami Malik, I love him. I love him in in Mr. Robot. I love him. And yeah. I, I don't. I don't dislike him in anything he's ever been. In. I think he's an incredible actor. I did not love that movie. Mm. Like I, I think I think he deserved Best Actor, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because he he played. And some people like have feelings about the, the role, and and obviously like huge huge in the music. I I didn't. I'm not a Freddie Mercury, you know, savant. Um, so like I can't everything about his life, but I, I think he did the role justice. Um, but the movie was just so. Uh, bizarre. It was bizarrely edited, mm-hmm. which is weird because it was nominated for. Um, I think it was nominated for the editing category. Um, (laughs) It was very, very fast. Mm -hmm. They packed his entire life into what felt like an hour and a half. And I was just kind of left thinking there has to be more story, Mm -hmm. uh, more story to tell. So I was very surprised by the fact that it was nominated and people were actually holding it in, in sort of regard to potentially win. But I think his, his victory was, was good. And I, one of the things that made me question for some reason, his specifically, um, and I guess I'll throw this to, to, to everybody in Mojo. Uh, do mm-hmm. we, as brown people, celebrate when all brown people win, or are we? I mean, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> like if we're being honest with ourselves, he's a, like he's Egyptian, so like he's from the continent, right? Right. Yeah. Like I was, there was a lot of people of color who won, and I celebrate honestly all people of color, and I was happy to see him win. Um, yeah. I think as people of color, I I personally celebrate people of color winning. Yeah, yeah, and especially his status as a uh, you know first generation American. He said, you know, his family came here. I think he said from Egypt. Yeah, that was a good good speech. Yeah. Um, so, but you're you're right. They tend to get um, you know overlooked if if they aren't explicitly uh, black. Those kind of wins. I think any kind of win away from the normative is something to be praiseworthy yeah. but not mm-hmm. not necessarily anything that that we do all the time um and so speaking of uh that you know i guess we haven't really we haven't talked about black Klansman much and that was one movie that i made sure to watch and pack in before the oscars Ooh, just because i thought it was going to be one that would kind of clean up um but that yeah. turned out to be bohemian even with the sound editing i was like god for, really like if you're gonna do sound editing, maybe First Man or um, right, First Man was right. really great sound editing, and uh, or even A Star Is Born, like the that yeah. the way they replicated sound for live in a movie was mm-hmm. was pretty well done and fantastic. And so yeah. that's about the extent of my contribution to uh, critiquing film. I <laughs> I caught when I saw Dunkirk, I was like, this is winning for best sound, and then then it did. And so from then on, that's the category i've been hung up on <laughs> you're one for one yeah so one for one. like yes uh so one of the bigger storylines too around 
the Oscars was months or weeks leading up to it with Kevin Hart, who was originally scheduled to host. I think we all kind of enjoyed a hostless format, but I don't know that we can really enjoy the way that that we arrived at that. Um, yeah. So the backstory to Kevin Hart was he said some pretty hurtful things in his past. Uh, I think as long as 10 years ago concerned the LGBT community uh, on Twitter. Um, and this was something that kind of blew up after shortly after he was announced as the host uh, in interviews I saw with him on Ellen specifically, he, he kind of said like, I, I've, apologize for those comments in the past and so he kind of just ignored it hoping that it would go away uh because he'd, he'd apologized and he thought he'd said his piece uh and then after a couple of days it just got eaten up by the social justice mob on on the internet and uh and it was something that he was kind of unable to shake at that point and and he bowed out um because he didn't want to get on that stage and know full well that uh that controversy was was about him he wanted that night to be about the the honorees um, so would it have been, would we have benefited Would the Oscars have benefited by having Kevin Hart host, despite his hurtful comments from the past? Woof. I mean, <laughs> like what was so interesting about this was they didn't find a host cause nobody wanted to touch it. Like after that, you know, if like, you know, they go Back deep into the past, after he was apologetic, Ellen defended him and everything. Like, the fact that they didn't get a host this year was saying something. Um, and that they, how could they not get any comedian to host the Academy Awards? Because like, how is that even possible? I think, I think because we, we realized that if, and this is, this is why this was so conflicting and heartbreaking. Um, yeah. Because if if we the social justice mob, they do good work, but sometimes they 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 do this thing where they realize that if they show grace to anyone, they have to show grace to everyone, or at least to some everyone. measure of yeah. grace to everyone. <laughs> so yeah. then anyone who is is caught up in it gets eaten by it. Um, because right. if you show Kevin Hart grace, then you've also got to show. Uh, current governor of Virginia the same grace <laughs> right I mean, I mean am I wrong or am I wrong nah. right so it's, I mean it's yeah. not like the, the tapes came out of something he said yesterday we're talking about something that he has said in his stand-up years ago and is it is it wrong absolutely at the time but if you want to count Kevin and the reality is if if you count Kevin Hart out let me go ahead and tell you who else we need to count out from the last 13 right. Academy Award winners. <laughs> yeah. Chris Rock <laughs> right. twice. <laughs> right. Right. We wouldn't have had Chris Rock twice. Jon Stewart's gone. Right. Um, right. Billy Crystal's definitely gone. Um, Alec yeah. Baldwin's gone. So, like, I, I mean, like, <laughs> so who can host They're it? never going to have an Academy Award never. host ever mm-hmm. again. Never. <laughs> so, like, as, as we start talking about social justice, we have to understand well, we have to figure out how to come to a common agreement on what essentially equates to a statute of limitations. And that's a very legalistic mm-hmm. term for something that should not be that cut and dry. But yeah. I think as we go about as a society of people who are genuinely seeking justice and genuinely seeking truth, we have to, we have to understand that people are beings that require time and space to evolve and grow. And if we don't give those people that time and that space to evolve and grow, what we do is we create a us 
versus them. We create a, a shame box that everyone who hasn't been perfect their entire lives has to go into. And we create a system where we can't actually share stories of triumph and victory when it comes to reconciling, whether it be race or gender identity. We can't share those stories because to share the truth about those stories, we have to share a past that was hard to get from. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, I, if, if, if in sharing that past, I, I automatically disqualify myself from um, holding accolades, holding public, public office, being nominated for awards, I'm not going to share that past. I'll just show you the pretty end and bury everything else. Mm. But none of, us, right. none of us benefit from that. Yeah. I, I am part of the, the K Club on Twitter, uh, meaning I, I haven't deleted any of my tweets. Or I, I should take that back. I haven't mass deleted any of my tweets from the past. Um, because yeah. I want to be able to, to own that. And, you know, those are my tree rings. And I want to be able to own my past and show where I've evolved and on issues. If, if I yeah. when I've said ignorant things and, uh, and things that I'm sure are hurtful. And, uh, and so what I'm hearing, though, is that we need to create a palatable movie to address this issue. That can, can that can uh, be nominated for best picture, but not win it because if it wins it, that means it's it would uh, be that we're too woke. be boring. Yeah, that we're too woke. So, uh, yeah, but I think that we do as a culture, society, we do kind of have a problem uh, walking the fine line uh, that is redemption. You know, we don't we're not very quick to offer redemption, and especially in the age of the internet that doesn't forget. Uh, it's very hard to climb out of that hole. And, you know, what, like you, you talked about statute of limitations, which is um, 100%, I think, a, a correct frame to, to view from, but like, what is the correct time? And maybe it's not a time thing as much as it's people are proving themselves and proving, you know, that they've they've changed just like they would in any kind of interpersonal relationship. Like if someone hurts us or, or causes us harm, uh, there's a certain amount of, not hoops that they have to jump through, but there's, there's definitely time that's going to be required to, to heal those hurts and then also uh, actions demonstrated by that person to, sh- to show that they've changed. Yeah. So, Obi, I nominate you to play that leading role. Oh, I mean, get, uh, get right on that. <laughs> Mojo, if you want to write the screenplay, I don't know what awesome. I can contribute, but... Um, <laughs> Honestly, but I think one of the things that was kind of heartbreaking about about to watch that and and this is, you know, never what I thought I'd be defending Kevin Hart. Because actually, I'm not defending Kevin Hart. Homeboy makes way too much money. He makes so much more money than I do. He <laughs> don't need my defense. But one thing that was kind of heartbreaking was, you know, as we are, sometimes we are selectively active um, mm-hmm. when it comes to activism. So as, you know, Black Twitter was all out here for Black film and Black movies, everybody kind of left Kevin out there to drive by himself. Mm-hmm. When... In reality, if we're to be honest with ourselves as a race and a culture, black, the black community as a whole has done a disservice to our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, period, really period, point blank. Everybody is guilty. Yeah. Every auntie, every uncle, every grand, everybody. Yep. But like everybody just yep. let, him, let him hang out there by himself. And that kind of mm. sucked. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And I was honestly one who initially reacted kind of out of uh, surprise and anger and at, at his handling of the comments when they first came back, back out again. And I, I didn't know that he had apologized in the past. And so I don't know if that was just, you know, kind of a boo-boo on his part where if he had just kind of, again, you know, you hate to have to drudge something up in the past where you felt like you've dealt with it, but maybe there could have been a posture that he could have taken. But then I also, I am kind of, uh, 
you know, upset with myself for just getting caught up in that initial wave of anger at him and toward him instead of striking a posture that ultimately I feel like Ellen did when she brought him on her show and, and defended yeah. him. Um, so maybe we just need to all be more like Ellen. <laughs> um, that's the truth that's not yeah. untrue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which wouldn't be a bad thing i don't think uh so uh well i think i, I kind of want to talk about a little bit we we don't have a ton of time we've actually we spent a lot of time on oscars uh which is not the problem uh, <laughs> but what is like i want to talk uh, i guess more broadly about black representation and storytelling and pop culture and why those are important uh, because we've talked a lot about, you know, uh, more people of color making movies and starring in movies and telling these stories uh, and demonstrating their perspective on truth and uh, or not their perspective on truth, but um, but demonstrating their truth. Um, so wh- why is that important? And I guess it's kind of a launching point. Maybe what's a movie that you think of when you think of a movie that's kind of influenced your thoughts on on race? For me, it's Do the Right Thing. Um, I watched it in college. Um, and I've watched, like, grew up watching a bunch of different movies. Um, but this one was when I was, like, in an all-white college. And um, and just being, like, the minority there, just really thinking about race a lot more. Um, it was the first time I saw the film. And it just had a huge impact on me. I mean, I actually, that... Um, semester I did an auteur paper on Spike Lee so I watched all his movies from Brooklyn to Malcolm X to like Inside Man to everything Um, and that movie was the first one where I like saw anger like for the first time and understood what it meant Um, and yeah that was one of the first films that really impacted me when it came to race Mm -hmm. Hmm. Weirdly, I think, so again, I grew up in Nigeria. We moved here when I was um, about eight years old. And I always joke that I didn't realize that I was black until I was in like seventh grade. Because, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, growing up African, there's sometimes this dichotomy in our brains um, that somehow we're, we're different. And, and especially as kids, it's definitely driven home by our are very African parents that you're not like everybody else, um, but not in the same way that black parents have that talk. <clears throat> I think it's not until recently that West African and African parents are not having that talk with their kids. But um, so weirdly for me, my movie is American History X, which I watched way too young. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's very interesting. You know, Mojo's film, you know, Spike Lee, is his narratives, tragic as they may be sometimes, or always exist to celebrate blackness. Um, But American Mm. History X um, was made to highlight hate in America, right? So that's Mm. very odd that that is um, the, well, hate in America, but also redemption from that hate as well, because Edward Norton's character ultimately um, ends up in that that position. So yeah, that was was probably the first movie that sort of... um, I can think of in my brain right now that was just like a, out an experience that is unique to me because of the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. I think for me, and I've seen American History X, and I I haven't seen um, Mojo. I'm sorry, what was the name? What was that movie? I'm blanking. Do the, the right, right thing. thing. Uh, I, I, man, I can't believe I'm saying I haven't seen it, but 
Uh, <laughs> but so I've seen like I've seen those movies and and this is kind of something I've talked about too, where I've had a, an evolution of understanding race issues and uh, whereas I was grown up what i would call colorblind what people call colorblind and i think that did impact my ability to kind of see these things and pull some of these things out where i I could have done that earlier uh these things are now things i'm doing in later in life and so one of the movies that i I think about that stuck with me is straight out of compton and that was just four years ago Mm. um but the thing that stood out to me was um because i remember growing up and in the 90s and and hearing you know uh, news anchors talk about uh, or these talking heads I remember hearing these conversations take place on what is the the proper place for this kind of um, I guess media you know if you're talking about rap like what is that doing uh, to our young people who are listening to this and trying to emulate these behaviors and one of the things that stood out to me in Straight Outta Compton was um, I think it, it was I don't remember whose character says it but he says that um, NWA is this is their CNN that their music that they're creating is their CNN and maybe it was Ice Cube um, and that just hit me because I was like man I grew up hearing that conversation take place um, and then without completely understanding we're talking about perspective on truth uh, like that wasn't they weren't creating music to create culture they were creating music that reflected uh, the the realities of their culture and um, mm-hmm. and so that was just something that in my l- later adult life was coming around to understanding. Yeah, I think there's there there are two parts of like I think when we talk about representation in film, um, two parts of the dialogue that I think we oftentimes mash together. Um, that is unfortunate because we don't get to have a healthy dialogue around it just as a society. But you have to ask the question: Who's it for? Um, well, who, who, who's it for and then who's seeing it? Mm-hmm. And those, those are two separate things. And one of the thing, and the reason I think we have to have these conversations is because if it's for an audience that's different from the audience that's seeing it, then mm-hmm. unfortunately we have to also somehow figure out how to collectively do the work of making sure that audience knows how to consume it. Not that we have to do the work of explaining it all to them, mm-hmm. but I think one example that comes to mind um, is Bao. And I don't remember if you, Bao's the, the animated short. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember the Twitter reaction by a, a lot of white people after they watched mm-hmm. Bao. Um, but essentially, spoilers for anyone listening, the short is about this little Bao, which is um, <coughs> a type of food, a little bun um, that's been sort of given... Uh, human characteristics in life and is being taken care of by this woman and it sort of speaks to a mother-son dynamic or a mother-child dynamic and at the end of the movie the bow the woman eats the the, rather than allowing letting the child go the woman eats the child so Mm -hmm. um there's this there's sort of like this reaction by a lot of white people on twitter saying oh it's really weird i don't get it it's dumb i don't understand it what kind of mother would do that but really it was not made for that audience and the audience that it was made for mm. Asian Americans and Asians in general very much resonated. I had friends who were like grown Asian men that were weeping in that theater because they're like, yo, this is my life. Like I get that. It's mm. real. Um, mm. And I think as we, cause one of the things I realize about, about representation and, and when you talk about black film, white film, film of any race is uh, as yes, part of it is that not enough of it's being made true but even worse than that is 
it's not being exposed to the audience of other. So mm-hmm. a lot of white folk have not seen a lot of quote unquote black film. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't understand the things that in both, both inform and reflect the culture. Whereas um, white film is just film, right? So like, that's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. all film. So we've, we've seen it like cuts that we haven't seen a la gone with the wind which i'm never gonna watch um and others but for the most part like we we've seen it um so like how do we get into those spaces where we're exposing cultures to film that's not necessarily made for them but is important for them to consume in a world where we're trying to reconcile Mm -hmm. yeah i think that even like talking about that i think you're 100 right even with this podcast like uh and creating the idea around this podcast was uh, there's there's podcasts out there that are like this that are talking about these issues, but no, none of the a lot of the people who need to listen to them aren't listening to them because, um, you know, again, who's the audience? And so when when we were creating this podcast, and people were like, who who's this audience or this podcast for? It was 100 percent for everybody, but especially for uh, you might say straight white men. Uh, these are the kind of people that. Uh, this was who I was 10 years ago. And this is the kind of thing that I wish I would have been exposed to. And so I was talking to a guy at a happy hour earlier this week, and he was saying that he appreciated as a black man, um, Ezra Klein, who is a, a white journalist talking through a black movie. And he enjoyed kind of hearing him and how he was processing it and the questions he was asking and uh, understanding the ways that he was processing it, which is different, Obi, to your point of, you know, just being blah. You know, I think it requires a certain amount of curiosity to, right. appreci- to appreciate it. So even if you don't understand it and it's not necessarily made for you, but the posture that you take and the questions you ask about it, I think are, uh, can, can go a long way in, in, uh, in that conversation. Yeah. Mark, I told you guys about our small group, right? Go ahead. <laughs> Tell me more. Wait, wait. Hold on. I want to ask Mojo real quick. Mojo, if I said, give me five films in the black canon that are must-watches, what would you say? Um, Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X, um, Boys in the Hood, The Great Debaters, oddly enough. Okay. I loved that All movie. Right. Um, loved that film. Um, that film made me cry. Um, and let's see what else. Color purple. Okay, solid. That's yeah. So that's a good list. So now we uh, <laughs> we as so we we made had a lot about just like missing each other in cultural references and especially around pop culture and what started off as a joke of like yeah we should like sit a bunch of white folk, black folk in a room and make the white folk watch black film and make black folk watch like hmm. quintessential white movies and d- discuss that. And that sort of <laughs> got, went from a joke to like, you know, one of my really good friends is a director of the small groups at our church here. And our church has a lot of conversations around reconciliation in that space, uh, both with race and gender and gender identity, which is really, really cool. And Charles is like, yo, we should make this a group. And I was like, that's dumb. You're dumb. We're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, no, we're definitely doing that. So we basically, we sat down and painstakingly, a bunch of us painstakingly came up with a, a list of four in each category, in each canon, what mm. we're calling the black canon and the white canon. So action, one yeah. action, one drama, one comedy, and one romance. So we ended up mm. with, on the black film side, we ended up with uh, Set It Off for action, 
um, just because wow. strong strong female roles. Yeah, we watched that last mm-hmm. week, and people were shooketh. Uh, people <laughs> people had not seen that movie, and I hadn't seen it in a while either. Man, um, set it off in action. Uh, comedy was Friday. The um, yeah. drama will be soul food, and the romance will be love and basketball. And then mm, the, good the white cannon is going to be uh, action is Top Gun, which is a stark <laughs> contrast to set it off. Um, action will be Top Gun. Comedy will be Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, romance, When Harry Meets Sally. And drama will be Forrest Gump. Mm. Okay. For, this, for this first first round. And then we'll probably end up doing this again next semester, I'm sure, because it's already we're already having way too much fun with it. Yeah. That's great. No, that does sound really cool. Uh, I'm already trying to think of ways that I can be involved in the next semester and <laughs> go and do it. Because uh, honestly, I've only seen, I think, uh, one of the movies from the White Cannon. And so I don't know. I don't know what that says about oh, me. Yeah. What are you, Bart? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> the worst Oscar reaction podcaster. That's all I can say. Is, uh, not going on the resume. Uh, so that's cool. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up um, because uh, you're, that's something that you're doing. And, and I think that that was one of the reasons I think I did hear about that. And one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on because you've already demonstrated an interest in it, uh, a mastery of uh, understanding film and, and then these are conversations that you're having. So I'd be curious, would you be able to talk about a little bit about what the reaction was? Cause you said you've had at least one meeting, right? Yeah. I think one of the things that, and this is very, very briefly, cause we've had, we're going to do, we're doing like movie, movie discussion, so black, white discussion, black, white discussion. Um, and so we don't really, we don't allow for a lot of time after the movies for a response quite yet. I just want people to sit with it, but right off, right after set it off and like having not watched Top Gun yet, uh, people in our group were just sort of kind of struck by um, already the, the different, the origin of the narrative. So someone um, in the group sort of it was just sitting in the corner. I mean, the movie went off and it was just like dead silence for like seven minutes. And people were like, there were tears and they were sniffling. And I was like, dang, I didn't expect this much. But someone was sitting there and was like, you know, what? I'm, I'm realizing already that like when you talk about action as a genre, when I think about a lot of black action movies, they're rooted in tragedy. They're rooted in necessity. Mm. Whereas if you think about white action film, they're rooted in excess, they're rooted in privilege. They're rooted in um, a desire, a pursuit of action. Mm. Not that action is my only, um, or action or violence is my only option. Mm. Which sort of to get that from week one, just right off the bat made me realize like, yo, exposing people just exposing people to the film and to, to popular culture that's not their own in a, in a one in a safe space to ask those questions and to challenge the things that are going on in their minds. Um, mm-hmm. It's huge. Like it's super huge. And there are mm-hmm. not, there are not many, there are not many opportunities to do that. Yeah, no, there really aren't, uh, especially safe spaces, you know, to have those conversations. Yeah. And uh, that's one thing that I, I really like about uh, black culture and, and even, um, latin culture is there's this sweetness that if you're sitting atop privilege in society that you miss out on uh because there's so much like in past episodes we've talked about the miracle of the black church uh i think that there's something really sweet and miraculous about life that we discover in suffering and if you are atop privilege in society that's just not something that you get to do a lot of so it makes sense that uh white people white folk are going out and they're pursuing action like you said um 
And even one of the movies that was uh, up for a lot of Oscar nominations was First Man. Um, and mm-hmm. it's not a, a race movie, but one of the things in the movie was um, a real a neat spoken word about Whitey on the moon. And I wish I had had those lyrics pulled up because it was one of the most interesting parts of the movie to me because I think it did juxtapose that where you have these white men who uh, who are blasting off out of Earth's atmosphere to go sit on a rock. And um, and so we've achieved this. Uh, we're at the pinnacle of human comfort and achievement. Uh, but especially in the white community, you're, you see so much anxiety and depression and anger. You know, when it comes to anger, you see that in white men who are the ones perpetuating a lot of these mass shootings, um, but white men. And so there's something about um, suffering that white community hasn't had to do and i think that we can learn from each other and being exposed through art is a great way to to be able to to learn from our our brothers and sisters who uh you know who who have had to experience some really brutal things in our history word so uh i think that's we're kind of coming up on a a good hour here uh yeah i think this was a good conversation there was like so many things on on the list that I know we wanted to jump into, but I, I, I think yeah. we got the good stuff. I think we got the highlights. So maybe all this means is we did. maybe we'll just have to have an annual reaction where we actually watch the movies that we're going to be talking about. I think that'll be, <laughs> I think that'll be important in the future. Yes. That'll be a good one. Hey, like I drove out to see if Bill Street could talk thinking this would be part of it. And it was good. <laughs> yeah. But I just want to say, since I drove all the way to Oakland to watch this movie, it was amazing. And Regina King deserved to win. And there, there we go. go. Okay. And another movie that I watched thinking that would be part of the Oscar, and I don't think it was nominated for anything, was Blind Spotting. Um, oh, such a good such movie. movie. Fantastic. You talked about driving out to Oakland. I learned a lot of things I didn't know about Oakland. But after, like, everybody yeah. I know watched Blind Spotting, loved it. Several people recommended it to me. When I watched it, it did feel a little more indie ish and a little less polished, but not not in a way like the storytelling it was it was really entertaining the levity was there in all the right places and it just was it was really good so yeah if you go see anything if you haven't seen it sounds like you two have uh but if you're listening definitely go out go out and see that one um all right guys well thanks for coming on thanks for coming on and uh and so late it's it's here now 10 o'clock uh Less so on the West Coast where you are, Mojo. But uh, big thanks <laughs> to both of you for carving out time and, and coming on and talking about things, some things that are, can be pretty vulnerable. Um, so thanks for opening up and thanks for providing your perspective. Thank you, Mark. For sure. Yeah. Th- thanks, gentlemen. Thank you. I will talk to you all later. All right. Bye. All right. All right. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Behind the Scene. Just a quick reminder that the views expressed in this podcast are strictly that of Brandon's and mine and do not reflect that of our employer. Uh, And then second, if you enjoyed this content at all, we'd love it if you could like it and subscribe. And then, of course, if you think you know anyone who would benefit from this content or would like to engage with it, please share it with them as well. And we will see you next time.